0: Christian builders, I am so glad to see you. Uh, Oh, you do not know I shall be there each day helping you, and it's just so good to have somebody else there (laughs) besides me uh, working on the building. So we're glad that you're here. Um, We do things a little bit differently around here. So I see some of the shocked looks on your faces, but that's that's okay. Um, We... um, we strive in everything we do to make church simple so that anybody can walk in off the street and, and they understand that, that there is a God that loves them, that there is a God who has given instructions. And, and if you will pay attention and do life God's way, it will work. And when we get messed up in life, it's because we've not done things God's way. And in all fairness, a lot of us have never been taught God's way. So we, ne- we don't know, but... <laughs> But if we're going to be totally honest, a lot of us have been taught God's way and we've chosen to go our way. And that's why we're in the mess we're in. So we're going to spend some time today talking about how how this whole religion thing, it's not really about religion. Because we have people all the time tell me, say, oh man, I hate organized religion. I said, me too. Come to us, we're disorganized religion. (laughs) Man, ain't nothing but hypocrites in the church. We're full of hypocrites, come on. I'm a hypocrite, come join us, you'll fit in. So we just want to take today and and, and realize that God has a message for us and the message is not complicated. So we're going to try to undress all of the stuff about a complicated religion and we're going to talk about a simple spiritual life and that's why Jesus came. So let's get into it. Okay, I've got some pictures here. We're going to to do just a little bit of of sports trivia here. Who is this a picture of? Vince Lombardi. Nobody else knew that? Or now you're going, oh, yeah, yeah, black and white. That's way back there. Vince Lombardi. Okay, um, why is he famous? Hush, Jeff. Why is he famous? Green Bay Packers. Packers. So, hang on, hang on. Go in there. Okay, he he won some Super Bowls. Did you know that, that in nine seasons he won five championships and when they had the Super Bowl... That He won the first two of those with the Green Bay Packers. And he's considered one of the greatest coaches, football coaches of all times. So, okay, i got another picture. Let me show you this next picture. What is that? It is the Vince Lombardi trophy that's given to the champion of the biggest sporting event of the year, the Super Bowl. You don't get your name on that trophy unless you're pretty good. And Vince Lombardi was pretty good, Right? One of the things he was famous for and what made him so successful was he would always go back to the basics. He would always simplify football to the basics. And basically that was blocking and tackling. And, and there's a famous story, true story, that, that one time the Green Bay Packers lost to an inferior team. It was bad enough to lose if you're playing for Vince Lombardi, but to lose to a team that you should have dominated was bad. So what did he do? The next day he calls an emergency practice. Normally that's their day off. Brings them in, and all of these men feared Vince Lombardi, feared him. And they sat there like little lost puppies while he gritted his teeth and he just stared holes in every one of them. They knew they were in trouble. He said, Gentlemen, today we go back to the basics. Pulls out a football and he goes, This is a football. If you start off with men who know defensive and offensive plays better than they know their children's names, if you start off with something so basic as this is a football, it's going to be a bad day for you if you're on the team. Now, it must have worked because they went on this role and they became Super Bowl champions, champions of the NFL several times, and he got his name on the trophy because he simplified this this game as much as possible and and going back to the basics is a great way to succeed in football or any sport but it's also a great way to succeed in the spiritual life did you know that, that who god is what your purpose in life is and how we're to relate to god and to others that was never intended to be complicated in fact it was it was intended to be very spiritual a, a, a very spiritual simple spiritual decision and here's what what god did this is the first thing on your listening guide god made this incredible move toward you so the first thing we're going to look at is god's simple move toward humans god made this cosmic move towards humans to make this spiritual life simple did y'all ever see the uh the movie honey i shrunk the kids and then there was like 16 different sequels to it and I shrunk my other neighbor's kid, or I don't know. I shrunk my dog, and he bit my toe. I don't know. There was all kinds of stuff that they did. But in Honey, I shrunk the kids. The basic thing in the first one, which was probably the best one, is that he accidentally shrinks their kids, and they become this tall. And they get lost in the backyard. And so what had been a backyard where you play ball and all those things, now becomes a jungle. And there are dangerous insects. (laughs) Because when you're this tall... Insects and and animals and all kinds of things become dangerous. And and the whole premise of the movie is, you know, they make friends with them. And and I guess if I was that tall, I would treat them differently too. Um, But but that's not what happened. Caleb, give me that little piece of paper there. What what I want to do is I've got some pictures here that that I want to show you. And I want you to think about how you react to these pictures as a human, as, as your size now, how you might react if you were this tall. All right, here's the first picture. Now, I have to read you the caption because the caption just makes this even better. A medley of scorpions and North American crickets are roasted and nestled in pepper jelly and cream cheese in pastry cups. Rurka, I guess this is the the, uh, chef, Rurka strives to stir salvatory glands by striking a balance between making the foods look familiar and yet thrillingly unusual. I didn't know salvatory was a a word until I uh, read it here. Now, how do you react to scorpions and crickets in a nice little pastry. Does that stimulate your salvatory glands? It stimulates something, but it's not up here. It's right here. It makes you want to puke, right? And Drew, you've know, you got to be careful what you let people do. Drew wrote me a note and said, they're scorpiantastic. Thank you, Drew. I appreciate that, buddy. You're, you're... <laughs> yes, I did. All right, here's, here's another picture. Tell me how you react to this. You know what that is? It's a potato bug. Makes me want to eat some potatoes. All right, here's another one. You know what that is? This one is gross. Janie almost threw up when she came in and saw this one on the computer. It is a bed bug full of human flesh and blood. Oh, yeah, that got a good reaction. All right, here's another one. You know what that is? Coral snake, true story. I'm not home, which usually happens whenever stuff like this goes on at my house. I'm out of town and uh, Caleb's in the backyard and he is watering his dog with the water hose. All of a sudden he screams bloody murder, comes running into the house. Mom, 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 a snake just came over my foot. And he didn't want me to tell this story until I said, Dude, we got other guys in this church, some of them that were up here on the stage, that would have screamed like a girl if the snake had crawled over their foot. So then, no, and I told him that. He's like, Oh, okay, you can tell the story. So he screams and goes running inside. And she's like, Oh, a snake, because Janie just hates snakes. So she, she decides, we got to come out. And she said, What kind of snake? And he said, It's red and yellow and black. And so she goes running outside, and they can't find it because the grass is really thick. And so she's thinking, oh, we gotta find it. We gotta find it, cause, cause uh, red and yellow kill a fella. Leaves of three, let them be. No, that's not it. And she's saying this out loud. All these little things that she's learned, you know, from years ago. And she's like, oh, we gotta kill it. We had a coral snake in our backyard. Don't know how I got there, but you don't jack with a coral snake, right? Hello. <laughs> okay, here's one last one. I grew up around these. You know what that is? Diamondback rattler. Now, would you stick your hand in there? Now, some idiots I grew up with would, just on a dare. I dare you to stick your hand in there. But see, I got friends I grew up with that, if you'd have said, "Keep doing it," they would have kept doing it until they got bit. That's kind of dumb, right? Okay, now, if any of those bugs or these snakes, if you encounter them, is your first thought, "That thing is alive," like me. I must be kind to this insect or this mammal and if only I could talk to them and say ooh you frighten me you should go away no how do you react when you see one of those you kill it you grab a shoe you grab a bat one time one of these was on a golf course I'm walking along with my buddies and these ladies on the next uh, fairway scream and it's like that we didn't have anything except our drivers we could run over <laughs> now What if I had desired to communicate with one of these things? What would be the best way to communicate? Become one of them. Now, I don't think they talk to each other. (laughs) But that's where the analogy breaks down. So, if I wanted to become... If I wanted to become an animal, maybe I could communicate with them and say, you better get out of here. You know, that type of thing. You're going to die. It's kind of like the spiders in the, in the Garfield cartoons, you know, the comic strips. They all come and talk to him and then he kills them. Well, if we wanted to communicate with animals, with, with cows, the best way to, would be to become a cow, I imagine. Okay, here's the deal. God took this huge leap from heaven. You think about what a stretch it would be for me to come down to the size of an animal, to give up what I've got. I've got a good life. I love my wife and my kids. I love this church. I've got a good life. What would it be for me to give up this life so that I could become a bed bug and tell the bed bugs where to get out of the bed and find... I don't know what you tell a bed bug. But if I was to give all of this up, it's nothing compared to what the God of the universe, the one who spoke in the world, was created... It's nothing compared to this great move He made toward us because He gave up all of the glory of heaven to become like one of us. Let's look what the Bible has to say. In John 1, verses 1, 3 and 14, in the, begun- in the beginning there was the Word. Now, that, that is just another uh, name for Jesus. The Word here speaks for Jesus. Let's read it. In the beginning there was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was what? God. He was the same as God. All things were made by Him and nothing was made without Him. The Word became a human. All right. who does that have to be? Jesus. Jesus. And lived among us. We saw His glory, the glory that belongs to the only Son of the Father, and He was full of grace and truth. Now, I included another verse here because I just love the way this says it. And the message translation of, of verse 14. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. He moved into the neighborhood. Jesus was God with skin on. And if you wanted to know what God was like, you looked at Jesus. He was the perfect image of the invisible God. He, God in flesh living in the neighborhood. God at His most basic. So, God was, Jesus was demonstrating for us what God is like. And the message He brought was this. second point on your listening guide is a simple message. He made a great move towards humans, a simple move towards humans, and he brought this simple message. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28-30. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, when you hear Jesus saying, come do what I do. Come experience the spiritual life the way I intended it because we just read that Jesus created the world. There was nothing that was made that He wasn't involved in. So this whole relationship between God and and man, Jesus was in on that. And He said, if you experience it the right way, you will live lightly and freely. Now, you hear those words, is that what you think of a light and free life? Is that what you think of when you think of religion? Light and free. Yes or no? Okay. Now, this complication of spiritual matters didn't, um, didn't come into being in our day. It goes all the way back to the time of Jesus. And uh, leaders in Jesus' day, they had made this, this spiritual life something of a burden. That, that they piled on people's backs. They, they went to the Old Testament and they did a study, and here's what they came up with. They found that there were 248 commands commandments in the Old Testament. See, that's all they had back then. They didn't have the New Testament. That was all about Jesus. That was written uh, right after Jesus lived. So they went through the Old Testament, 248 commandments and 365 prohibitions, stuff you don't do, things you don't do. There was a prohibition for every day of the year. Now, they said, if you want to have this relationship with God, you've got to follow all of these laws and all of these prohibitions. But that wasn't enough for them. So the laws and the prohibitions built this thing around God. So if you want to have a relationship with God, there's all these do's and don'ts. But these religious leaders, they said, that's not good enough. We're so afraid that that you might break one of the laws of God that we're going to make laws about laws and rules about rules, and you've got to add to them. 1,500 rules and laws they added to the 248 and the 365. 2,000 things. They said, you want to be someone who loves God and someone who's known as a, as a follower of God, you've got to do 2,000 things every day. Does that sound like light and free? Does that sound like something that you would want to do? Well, let me give you some examples of some of their extra rules. To avoid taking the Lord's name in vain you could not pronounce the name of God. So if you don't even pronounce His name, you can never take it in vain. Wrong. (laughs) You can still take His name in vain. To avoid committing adultery, a man had to lower his head whenever he passed a woman so that he wouldn't look at her. This is true. The people who were considered the most religious were called bleeding Pharisees because they would lower their heads all the time and they would run into stuff. I'm not making it up. They they would see a woman lower their head, and you had to make sure that she was gone completely out of your peripheral vision so that you wouldn't look at her in lust. So the most religious are the idiots that keep bumping into walls. That's stupid to me. That's just my opinion. When the Bible said to rest on the Sabbath, these folks figured out how many steps you could take before it was work. So they determined that 50 steps would be the limit. So you would have to count on the Sabbath how many steps. And I guess when you're done, you just sit down. (laughs) Just hang out there at least until the sun went down. Then it was considered a new day. So they would count their steps so they wouldn't break the law. It was determined that you could eat on the Sabbath, but you couldn't cook. You could put a bandage on a wound, but you couldn't apply medicine to the bandage because that would be work. Over 1,500 rules like that. Does that sound appealing to you? No. No. And it didn't sound appealing back in Jesus' day either. So, it comes as no surprise that a guy walks up to Jesus and he asks Him the question. Okay, think of the context. All of these rules, 2,000 things that I'm supposed to follow every day. And this guy walks up to Jesus because Jesus was very approachable and he says to Him, Jesus, you've been talking about this light and free life. Can you tell me what's the most important rule? (laughs) And I believe Jesus jumped at that opportunity. I believe He was waiting on this question. Why? Because He came to simplify. Yeah, I'll answer. And if you want to follow this, turn to Mark chapter 12. And we're going to start in verse 29. Mark chapter 12, verse 29. What is the most important rule, Jesus? Because I'm getting bogged down with 2,000. This is just a great story where Jesus interacts with this man Verse 29, he says, Jesus replied, the most important one is this. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Alright, so he says, first of all, you've got to get this straight, there's one God. Because there were gods everywhere. Little g, gods, idols, made out of this stuff. Oh, great post, can you help me today? People were praying to wooden stones. I mean, read the Old Testament because God says they can't speak. You're going to bow down to an idol? What kind of fool are you? There's one God. So Jesus says there's one God. And then he says the second most important commandment is this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no other commandment more important than these two. So Jesus says spirituality 101. One God. Got to get that straight first. Your purpose in life, the reason you were created was to love that God. And when you do that, when you love God, which is worship, which is what we're doing here today corporately, when you love that God, then something amazing happens. You begin to love other people who were created in the image of that God. He says all of the Bible, all of the Old Testament revolves around these two things. Love God. When you love Him right, you'll love people. Then you've got it right. And He says, you're right on the border of God's kingdom. So look at the response of the guy. This guy has this classic aha moment. And for the first time, it makes sense. Verse 32, the religion scholar said, a wonderful answer teacher... He didn't realize he's talking to God's son. Of course, God's son's going to give the best answer. But anyway, a wonderful answer teacher so lucid and accurate that God is one and there is no other, and loving Him with all passion and intelligence and energy and loving others as well as you love yourself, why, that's better than all offerings and sacrifices put together. Look at what Jesus said. When Jesus realized how insightful He was, He said, you're almost there, right on the border of God's kingdom. When Jesus spoke, it never burdened people. That's why He could say... I'll make your load lighter. I'm not going to put stuff on you. If you come to me and you do the things that I designed you to do, you'll live this light and this free life. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. 1,500 rules doesn't sound like a light and free life to me. So if we want to live this light and free life, how do we do it? Well, we've boiled it down. There's really three basics that I want to talk to you today about that if you're going to reflect God's image, if you're going to get close to God, you need to have these three basics in your life. The first is prayer. The best I can illustrate this, I don't know if you've ever been snorkeling or scuba diving, but when you're under the water, that tank, and now they have something called snuba, which is you don't actually have to be scuba certified. Your tank of air floats on the the surface And there's this this tube of air that comes down to you and you can just kind of go around under there. As long as that, that air, as long as you have that oxygen, you are in this environment that you were not designed to be in and you have breath and you have life. You take that breath away, you take the life away from a human being underneath the water. Prayer is like that spiritually. You talk to God. You converse with God. It is like air to your soul. You go long enough... Without prayer, if you only pray every Sunday when the pastor prays or the announcement guy prays, then you are suffocating spiritually, and you know it. God says, I want you to pray, and I want you to learn to pray every day. Well, there's a second basic, and it's the Bible. Another term for the Bible is God's Word. One of the ways that God speaks to you is through the Bible. And I'm not talking about painstaking research. When, when I was in seminary, we, had to, we would always start a book of the Bible by, by researching who was the author. We would research how, how old he was, where he was when he wrote it, what was going on politically, religiously, economically. We would study all of this stuff before we ever read the first verse. And I would get so tired of that. I was thinking, I don't care get to the God's Word. And then I would love it. We would get into the verses, we would dig into the verses, and it was like food that nourished my soul. And I would be so excited that regardless of what was going on with all my workers when I was in youth ministry, I would do Sunday school workers' meetings, I would start telling them, you wouldn't believe what God said in Romans. Check this out. How does that apply to our lesson Sunday? I don't know, but it's really cool. Check this out. God will nourish you through His Word. And, and see, here's the problem. A lot of times people will talk to God They never stop to listen to see if God speaks back to them. But the way God speaks mostly is through this written word. 95% of God's will for your life is right here. I mean specifics. How to be a better husband. How to do business. How to be a better father. A mother. It is very specific. And if you don't know God's will, if you don't know the word, you're going to miss 95% of God's will. The other 5%? Who to marry? Well, I, I didn't find Janie in here. I mean, as I, as I searched God and as I got to be closer to God, I prayed and I really do believe that God brought her into my life because she was the one and it wasn't until the right time. It, in fact, it wasn't until I prayed totally in another city from her, I prayed, God, I am sick of dating. Anybody feel like that? Don't say it if you're dating right now and you're sitting next to the person you're dating. <laughs> Bad idea. I was sick of dating. I was 26 years old. I prayed and I said, God, I'm sick of this scene. I'm sick of trying to find somebody on my own. Would you bring someone to me? Little did I know that three hours away, Janie was walking across... Um, thank you. Sam Houston State <laughs> University. Well, my dad was always talked about she was in the penitentiary since she was in Huntsville. <laughs> you go to the pen to visit your girl? Yeah, Dad. Um, she's walking across the, the campus of Sam Houston State University and she says... God, I'm sick of this dating thing. I will accept whoever you bring into my life. I want to do what you want me to do. So we both were seeking God on our own when we came to the point that God was ready to bring us together. We both prayed never having known that the other one prayed that prayer and and God brought us together. And I'm so grateful that I did things God's way. But you don't get to that point if you skip this. Does that make sense? All right. there's a third basic and it's giving. James 1.17 says, "...Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows." Alright, God is the ultimate giver, and if you're ever going to make a difference in this world, you have to give. You give of your time, your talents, and your treasure. Your treasure, that means money. <laughs> that means you give of yourself. Why in the world would the volunteer Christian builders give two weeks of their time to come down here and build on on a church that they don't even know anybody in the church? It's because they understand that if we're going to reflect the glory of God and we're going to do anything that makes another generation, makes it possible for them to hear about this God, we give. And they're giving of themselves for two weeks because they understand this principle of kingdom building. A lot of people will tell you how to build wealth in life. And, and that's fine, but when you die, someone else gets your wealth. What we need is a nation, or at least in the church, we need kingdom builders. People that say, I will give my life so that someone else can hear the message of Jesus and they can have a different eternity. That's why we give. That's why there's several of us that have, have committed extra money every month to help pay off our building faster. That's why four of us went out and signed a note. We are personally guaranteeing the the loan on this building because we believe God has called us to do this and we believe that we are building His kingdom. And, you know, we had a little bit of hesitation when we were signing all those papers because we're looking at each other going, you know, if the church defaults, it's on me and you. Yeah, what are we going to do? Uh, we're going to pray and we're going to sell the building and try to get out of this. You know, I mean, seriously, that's what we did. We prayed and we believe that God has led us out there to that building. You know, we got a group of people that are helping. I can't even tell you all the stuff that's been going on. People contributing, just giving stuff to our church. So that, that we can get... That's, that's building God's kingdom. So if you want to reflect God, you've got to give. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen God. And when you understand my simple message, you're right on the border of God's kingdom. And when you begin to reflect my uh, being to the world, you are building my kingdom and you're making it possible for someone else to get into the kingdom. Now, Jesus said something else that was, that was kind of interesting because He said you're almost in the kingdom. How many of you have been to a wedding? Did that make you married? I've lost count of how many weddings I've been in, how many weddings I've done. You can even be the best man. My, my best friend from back home, his baseball team was in town for the Palestine tournament and I watched them play and, and I was best man at his wedding, he was best man in my wedding, but that didn't make either one of us married. Because Jesus said you can be right on the verge of the kingdom and miss it because there's a third thing that's, that's got to happen in this simple thing about spirituality. And that is you have to have a simple start. To your relationship with God. See, on, on uh, May 25th, 1991, I got this ring. Actually, I didn't get this one. The one I got is at the bottom of Lake Palestine, but that's another story. <laughs> I got a ring much like this one. <laughs> I, I hit the gas in the boat, and you hear, ding, ding, a And I went, ah! So I got one like this, and I stood across from this beautiful woman, and I said, I'm yours for the rest of my life. Well, I said 50 years, and then we'll negotiate after that. That's really what I told her. Um, I'll give you 50 years after that. We're going to talk again. You are not kind of married. There's no such thing. You guys married? He proposed right up here a couple weeks ago. They're not married. You stand across and you make a commitment. Well, here's how you get into this simple spiritual life. God is a God of love, but He's also a God of justice. As a God of love, He wants everybody into His kingdom. As a God of justice, He cannot overlook even one sin. Heaven is a perfect place. If He allows someone to come into that perfect place who is not perfect, then it is no longer perfect. So Jesus has this, uh, God has this dilemma. He cannot let you and I into heaven because we are imperfect beings. The dilemma led him to Jesus because he needed someone as a perfect sacrifice to come live a perfect life, die a sinless death, so that he could be the the intercessor, the one who dies in place of you and me. It is very simple. Someone perfect had to die and, and pay the price for our sins so that you and I could get to heaven. But even though this is a simple message, there's a hitch to it. The hitch is only you can pray the prayer that gets you into heaven. God calls us His children. God doesn't have grandchildren. God has children. First generation children. Only you can pray the prayer. Well, how do you do it? There's a simple move and there's three steps to it. Step one is admit. Admit that you are messed up. (laughs) All of us know it and a lot of us go around trying to put on these masks and pretend we're not messed up. Just admit it. We are all messed up in some way. Most people believe they have to clean themselves up before they can come to God. Nothing can be further from the truth. You cannot clean yourself up enough to be acceptable to God. And so what he does, he says, just admit that you're messed up. And what he does is, is amazing. He'll send His Holy Spirit to live inside of you once you pray that prayer, and then He begins to clean you from the inside out. You can't do it yourself. Second step is believe. Believe. The Bible says in Romans ten nine, Say the welcoming word to God, Jesus is my Master, embracing body and soul, God's work of doing in us what He did in raising Jesus from the dead. That's it. And I love this translation. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting Him to do it for you. That's salvation. You believe in God, not you. You trust in God, not yourself. That's what it means to truly believe. And then step three, here it is. You receive. Accept what Christ did for you on the cross. You reach out and take it for your own. John 1, 12, Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. There it is. There's no grandchildren. Just because your mama or your daddy is a Christian does not make you a Christian. Just because you go to Walmart doesn't make you... I don't know. I lost it there. You go to McDonald's, that doesn't make you a Happy Meal. Something like that. Well, how do you do it? One short prayer. Here it is. I think I put this on your listening guide. Is it on there? Here it is. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and need Your forgiveness. I believe that You died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite You to come into my heart and life. I want to trust You as forgiver and follow You as my leader. Amen. That simple prayer, if sincerely prayed and meant, will revolutionize your life because you now have a power not only that spoke the world into existence, but you have a power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. That's the kind of power I want. I need. I have seen marriages resurrected. I have seen lives resurrected from drugs, from alcohol, from from all kinds of stuff. I've seen lives resurrected from the power of God. And I want to be a part of spreading that message to other people. But you have to pray it. Radical things will begin to happen. And then... You want to know how life-changing it'll be? Look at this last verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. You ever want to be a brand new person, the only way it's going to happen is through Jesus Christ. He is not the same anymore. Here's where we get the name of our church, New Life Community Church. A new life has begun. We've said that we're going to spend the rest of our days on this earth telling people how they can get this new life because we see that resurrections need to happen everywhere. Verse 18, all these new things are from God who brought us back to Himself through what Christ Jesus did and God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into His favor and be reconciled to Him. Only you can pray the prayer. Spirituality wrongly understood I want you to catch this. Spirituality wrongly understood produces people who are smug, self-righteous, unable to love, unable to feel, arrogant, proud, You want to be around people like that? That's spirituality wrongly understood. That's the Pharisees in Jesus' day that He had the harshest criticism for. It produces cold hearts, plastic uh, masks, sad faces, inauthentic lives, and shriveled souls. And if that describes some of the churches you've been in, do you understand why people far from God don't want to come there? Spirituality rightly understood is life and grace to those who are dying spirituality, wrongly understood, only serves to speed up the death process for people who are far from God and headed straight to hell. It puts a stumbling block in the way that keeps people from coming to God. Those without Christ look inside the church and they say, if that's a Christian, I don't want to be one. The best argument in the world for Christianity is Christians. Their joy, their certainty, their freedom, their completeness, their giving hearts the worst argument for Christians for Christianity is Christians who are smug arrogant narrow and repressive Christianity dies a thousand deaths when we do the spiritual life that way Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me the founder of our religion said there is one way to heaven I am it and only you can pray that prayer I want you to take your um, registration cards. You got one of those when you came in. And I want you to do a couple of things for me. Fill that out. We have two baskets in the back. One of them is our joy basket. That's where we ask all of our church members and regular attenders to give. If you're a guest, we never ask our guests to give. We will give sacrificially until we die to keep giving this life-giving message to people who are far from God. Um, the other basket is our registration card basket. And, uh, we ask you to put that in there, but here's what I want you to do. Turn on the back of the card after you feel out the front, turn on the back of the card. And I want to take just a second. And I want you just to close your eyes. And the, and the reason I do this is because I, I don't want you to be distracted by anyone else around you. And I want you to ask God this question. What do you want me to do with what I've heard today?